guys, welcome to Dyslexia Demystified. It has been a while, and today, Alma, Nathaniel, and I, we're going to cover different types of learning differences. So we're going to be talking about um, dyslexia, dyscalculia, dyspraxia, I always get that one. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And yeah, did I mention all of them? Dysgraphia. Dyscalculia, I think you forgot, I don't know. Did I? Anyway, we're going to be talking about all of them. Because that's mine. (laughs) Exactly. We're going to be talking about all of them, and each of us has assigned one learning difference, and we're going to be, like, kind of comparing, contrasting them. So, yeah, this is going to be a very exciting episode. Are you guys motivated? I'm pumped. (laughs) Okay, great. And Alma's going to start us off with... Dyspraxia. So, this is one that I feel like is very rarely talked about. But it's something that a lot of us experience at least some of the symptoms for. And so we can only assume it does affect a lot of people. Um, And this is a learning difference. And it's very similar to dyslexia in some aspects. Of course, it affects different areas. However, the basics are very similar. So, for example, it doesn't affect your intellectual abilities at all. But it causes some uh, small problems in your daily life that may set you apart from uh, the crowd, I guess. Uh, however, it also has some advantages. So to go over some of the like things that are affected, that would be your coordination, balance, and movement. Um, how you learn new skills or think and remember information. Uh, also how you speak. And so this affects your daily living skills and also your ability to write or type. So um, this really affects with perci- like your precision. Uh, and so a lot of people would think that this means someone, for example, who needs to be very precise in their talking, like an actor, or uh, someone who has to perform, like a singer or a model, wouldn't be able to execute these things with dyspraxia. Uh, but I chose three celebrities that I think uh, really model how you can still go on with your daily life, even with dyspraxia. So Daniel Radcliffe, who is the actor in Harry Potter, for anyone who doesn't know, um, So he has dyspraxia, and so does Cara Delvin, I think that's how you pronounce her name, uh, who is a model, actress, and singer. And also uh, another job that I think requires a lot of precision is being a photographer. Uh, And there is a photographer called David Bailey, who is also dyspraxic. And so I think this really shows um, dyspraxia doesn't have to necessarily prevent you from doing anything, like you can totally still do it and um like dyslexia it is inherited uh it like it runs through the family uh it's more common in men and it's also you are at higher risk of developing it if you have if you were born prematurely which i think is kind of interesting and i mentioned earlier that it's very common to have dyslexia and dyspraxia in one did i actually mention that uh i think so i'm not I believe sure so, yes <laughs> okay um but it also goes with ADHD, uh, ADHD very often, and also uh, a lot of people who have autism, uh, anywhere on the spectrum, might also have dyspraxia. Uh, it also is very common to go with dyscalculia, which Nathaniel will be talking about. Um, and just like dyslexia, again, there is no cure, but you can go to occupational therapy to help you find like a practical way to still stay independent and manage everyday tasks. Now, this is not like a huge problem. It's not like if you have dyspraxia, you need someone by your side and then you need to go to therapy to find out how you can 
uh, get away from that. But it just will help you find more confidence uh, and really develop your skills uh, to not feel as different from the rest, if that makes sense. And other things that can also help is keeping fit. So finding a sport, for example, that can help you with your coordination or uh, using a computer if writing by hand is too complicated or a little too timey. Um, and also it really affects your organization skills. So you can just use a calendar or something like that. Uh, and there are also programs that help. Uh, now this all sounds very negative, but there are a lot of positives to dyspraxia. For example, uh, creative and original thinking, good strategic thinking and problem solving. And also uh, a lot of people with dyspraxia tend to be very determined and hardworking. And like Antonia has told us a lot on this podcast, that is also very common for people with dyslexia. Uh, and they're also very highly motivated. So again, we see a lot of similarities between these learning differences. Uh, so that's all of the main information I have for mine. Mm -hmm. uh, is there anything you guys feel the need to add on to, like questions or anything like that? Hmm. I don't know. Should we do this now? Or should we do this after we, like... Um, Maybe just one question from each okay. of us. One question? Okay. Nathaniel, do you want to start, maybe? Sure. Um, so of the three famous people, or celebrities or whatever that you mentioned with dyspraxia and maybe anyone else you saw who was the most surprising uh i guess daniel redcliffe because um i mean maybe it's just because i know him like from movies and everything like that but also i feel like as an actor i mean i know cara delvin is also an actress but he's more known for being an actor uh and so that requires precision in talking and behavior and everything. And also everything has to be coordinated. And so I would expect dyspraxia to, I mean, not necessarily prevent it, but definitely make it a lot harder. And he did start at even such a young age with acting. So I think that's very impressive, although it doesn't necessarily have to be. But it's just really nice to see this sort of representation. And it's such a nice representation. Like, he is a great actor. Um, and he is very successful. So... Daniel Radcliffe. <laughs> um, and I'm trying to still come up with a question, but I wanted to also ask, um, do you know how how common dyspraxia is? Or dyspraxia? Dyspraxia, I actually don't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, I'm trying to find a better question right now. But in the meantime... I think that is an interesting question. I just... Um, I don't know the answer. I think that... Oh, it's around 6 to 10%. Yeah, oh, okay. I was about to say, probably should be similar to dyslexia. Yeah, they uh, apparently it's like a 50-50 if you already have dyslexia to have dyspraxia as well. Yeah, okay, yeah. interesting. Imagine having both, that would suck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I only have one. I can, like, you get used to it, it's just like dyslexia, It it becomes part of your life, and then... You just kind of like see it more as an advantage than a disadvantage at one point. Yeah. Okay, doesn't Daniel Radcliffe also have dyslexia or am I imagining? I think he definitely has dysgraphia. I don't know about dyslexia. That's <laughs> something we should check. <laughs> okay. In the meantime, while someone checks that, I can start with the next learning difference, which is dysgraphia. And dysgraphia is a deficiency in the ability to write. And it's basically primarily um, handwriting. So people with dyscraphia have a very hard time 
um, writing stuff with their hand. Um, and it's also a um, yeah finger sequencing disorder. So they have difficulty holding pens and actually writing with, by hand, as I already said. Um, it is estimated that about 5 to 20% of all children in like elementary school have some kind of dysgraphia, which I think is quite interesting because that seemed quite high. But I don't know, maybe some other sources say something else. Um, and some symptoms that are common with dysgraphia are, first of all, trouble forming letters and shapes. Um, also, tight, awkward, or a like quite painful grip on a pencil. Um, then also, difficulty following a line or staying within margins when writing on paper. Um, so always like, yeah, writing quite awkwardly. Um, and then also trouble with sentence structure or following rules of grammar uh, when writing, uh, but not when speaking. So that's very important to note. Um, so that actually sounds quite similar to dyslexia, that one. Um, and the last one is difficulty organizing or articulating thoughts on paper, which I also thought was quite interesting. Um, so basically, um, people with dysgraphia have difficulty um, when trying to write down what they're thinking. So therefore, it's suggested or recommended that um, children with dysgraphia use keyboards or like switch to typing instead of actually writing by hand. So therefore, they can actually get what they have in their heads written down without having to worry about how to hold a pencil, to write within the margins and that stuff. So that is basically it for the symptoms. Um, of course, there are also some advantages to dysgraphia. Um, for instance, they have very good listening skills um, and they're very good at memorization and very good at recalling um, details. They also make great storytellers. They're very social and they're very efficient problem solvers. And we can see that in a lot of those advantages, there's an overlap with dyslexia. So that's, again, quite interesting. Um, however, dysgraphia and dyslexia are not the same thing because dysgraphia is a difficulty with writing, whereas dyslexia is a difficulty with reading. So that's important to note. And also, just like Alma said earlier, when you have dysgraphia um, or dyspraxia in Alma's case. Dyspraxia. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working on it. Um, it's quite common to have ADHD or ADD. Um, and apparently up to half the children with ADHD in the US have some kind of learning disorder, such as one of the ones we're mentioning in this podcast episode. So... I think that's, again, quite interesting. <laughs> um, do you guys have any questions? Um, I actually don't have a question, but I have something to add. Oh, yeah, sure. Because um, I noticed that a lot of the symptoms you were describing really sound similar uh, to dyspraxia. And so it actually turns out that the most um, co-occurring like, learning differences with dysgraphia are dyslexia and dyspraxia. Um, oh, wait, dyslexia and, and dyspraxia? Dyspraxia, yeah. Oh, uh, so they're the most common going with dysgraphia is what I mean. It makes sense, actually. Because... And yes, and they have uh, also a lot of, um, like, 
dyspraxia and dysgraphia is that right I yeah think so, yeah um are super similar and they have the most overlapping kind of struggles oh okay symptoms. so i find that interesting <laughs> that is very interesting because um when we we're googling celebrities with um these learning differences um, we found that daniel radcliffe had both dyspraxia and um dysgraphia and he doesn't have dyslexia by the way I checked. and he, yeah exactly and he doesn't have dyslexia so we're like oh interesting <laughs> uh, we'd want to know though if he has adhd or add i think that could be interesting let's let's google because for me i have dyslexia and add so you can see again those two things kind of go hand in hand um but yeah it's it's interesting that's like over half um he says he's hyper i don't think that means he has adhd though <laughs> probably not no oh no he just didn't get diagnosed for it uh, okay okay makes sense anyway nathaniel do you have a question yeah. i have something to add which i think will be helpful in okay. discussing this stuff which is a term called a comorbidity <laughs> um, um break it down come up with that uh, i know i didn't come up with it uh, it's a term and it's a term where um, a person has um, two or more medical condition conditions at once, and mm-hmm. often they're related to each other. Like if someone, uh, to say, is, is like a smoker, they might have like heart disease, and then also like lung cancer, um, and then those like negatively influence each other in a way and make them more likely to have other things, but also have in the first place. Um, and I think that it is very interesting to look at kind of these comorbidities um, in regards to these learning differences. Um, But it kind of does make sense that um, like, okay, yeah. So um, if your brain has trouble processing um, writing or um, reading, then there's a chance that it may also have a similar difficulty staying focused while trying to write or read or have difficulty putting the words on the page um, and like that. Yeah. Hmm. Wow. That, can you repeat what that one... Um, sure, sure. Uh, comorbidity. Comor- uh, like C, co, co, like more than one, and morbidity, like morbid, like um, ah, okay, okay. condition. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I thought that was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Oh, also, very important to note, um, dysgraphia, dyslexia, um, dyspraxia, dyscalculia, all those things actually are Greek. And this means, like, basically, like, the inability or, like, difficulty. Um, so, for instance, with dyslexia, it means dis, like, difficulty, and then lexis, uh, which means reading. And I'm guessing that dysgraphia is kind of, like, the same. So, graphia is probably, like, writing or something like that. So, you can already see the name already kind of tells us what it's about. Yes, very handy. It's interesting how um, dyslexia is kind of like, I guess, the famous of the bunch. Yeah. Because I feel like dyslexia is kind of a very common term. Everyone knows about it. And there isn't a lot to help with it in the school system, but there is some. Mm-hmm. But dyspraxia and dysgraphia, I feel like I barely heard about these. That's true. Yeah. a lot being done about them. Like, I had no clue what dyspraxia was. Yeah. Or dysgraphia. Actually. Me either. I've heard of dyscalculia, 
but nobody talks about that. This is I have I have heard of actually, but again, it's not really helped in yeah. the school system. It's, <laughs> it's like um, dyslexia is like the favorite child in the family, and the rest is like all overlooked. <laughs> Which is kind of unfortunate if you think about it, especially because I think that almost everyone thinks that they know what dyslexia is, but then if you kind of examine that, you realize that. Not everyone really has a very firm or correct idea of exactly what dyslexia entails. Yeah. And they may be grouping everything else, like these other um, learning differences that we're talking about, in the same boat, mm-hmm. even though there is some overlap, or just kind of writing them off. Like, oh, well, yeah. Um, like, for instance, for mine, is often known as math dyslexia, um, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's a different condition. Like, and that can be misleading for yeah. people. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. So now that you already started about talking on your topic, move on to yours. Sure. If you guys are ready. Yeah. We can always go back and ask questions again later. So. Okay, sure. Um, so mine is called dyscalculia. Um, and like you said, um, and then calcula um, mathematics. Um, so it's a difficulty uh, in learning or comprehending arithmetic. Numbers, manipulating numbers, mathematical calculations, facts, and like also a lot of overlap, actually, I would say, with other conditions, but also areas that I didn't necessarily immediately think of, but um, could be very, could make life a bit more difficult, like reading, difficulty reading analog clocks or remembering birthdays or, um, yeah, yeah, not remembering dates and things like that could also make it very difficult. Um, and there's also a distinction because um, dyscalculia refers to um, basically something you get, you're born with. But there's also a different kind of um, essentially difficulty with numbers that can be happen that can happen after an accident, but that's a separate term. So it and so you know it, there's a bit of a differentiation, I would say. Also, um, there's also an interesting thing that I've read, which is that it's not necessarily persistent, um, meaning that. Um, over like a four-year period, um, a child may be diagnosed with it and then diagnosed again with the second year. And then the third and fourth year, they're no longer diagnosed with that. Oh, um, really? Yeah, and it's unknown whether that can be attributed to um, them being misdiagnosed the first time or uh, the schooling changing or their teaching changing or therapy because there's just not a ton of data on it, unfortunately. But is interesting to see and same with adults is that um there are very few studies of adults that grew up with dust calcula and then kind of retain it into adulthood um but if they do it can lead to a lot of difficulties um with you know directions while driving controlling their own money and finances and just you know mental math uh, prices all that stuff um yeah and also there's a high um, crossover or a reasonable crossover with ADHD. Um, if you about eleven percent of the children with dys- dyscalculia also have ADHD, which is a pretty high percentage. Yeah. And are. for an estimate of how m- much of the population has this, it's between three and six percent is estimated. Um, but keep in mind, there's also some crossover um, with other things like ADHD or dyslexia or dysgraphia or dyspraxia, etc. Yeah. Um, and in terms of famous people, um, this was really interesting for me because several people had it that I 
was quite surprised by. And also two of them were inventors. So Benjamin Franklin uh, is believed to have had dyscalculia um, and he was a polymath and an inventor, printer, publisher, several others. Um, and he invented bifocals, lightning rods, hand paddles, and a bunch of other things. Very prolific guy, um, but very <laughs> much struggled with mathematics. Another one is Thomas Edison, um, who was credited with the invention of the light bulb, who was actually um, failed out of school, um, even though he, of course, is very talented and later you know, did a lot of great things for the world, pushed science very far forward because of his difficulty with math, um, he was kicked out of school, which is also very surprising to me. Uh, and finally, Cher uh, is also on this list of people um, who is a very famous musician. Um, but, she, and she, she suffered from both dyslexia and dyscalculia. Um, but also her childhood was very um, like tr tr troubled and challenging. She had to work from a very young age and stuff like that. Um, and was not exposed to a ton of school. Um, and it's, the article I read said, that this can possibly be um, kind of linked with her difficulties with math is that she didn't have a very, she had very little exposure to it at a younger age. So that by the time that she had to kind of look at it a bit, um, she was able to kind of find ways to circumvent it and not have to deal with it and kind of retain that for um, most of her life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um I actually have a question. Are you already uh, done or can I ask? Yeah, no, you can ask. Okay. So you mentioned, especially with Cher, like how we don't know if it's just because she didn't have enough math skills, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, not enough math exposure. Okay, yeah. Um, and so do you think that dyscalculia is then more overlooked than dyslexia because it is very common to have just problems with math without having learning difference? Um, yes, I think that that's very likely. It's also, unfortunately, not very studied. Um, and if you are trying to essentially, if you have this or you believe you have this and you're trying to show your teachers or your parents or your school or something that you do have it and you try to look at the scientific body of evidence for it, you find that it's unfortunately pretty lacking. Mm -hmm. And it's not that because there's nothing there, just that it hasn't been very much, it hasn't been investigated very much. Um, which I'm sure is very frustrating. So yeah. yes, we don't know if it's persistent. We don't know if it can be affected by the environment. And yeah, it's it's tricky. Yeah, uh, something I was thinking is that like, isn't there a danger that um, you overdiagnose people with dyscalculia? Because <clears throat> the way I am, sorry, <clears throat> my voice, uh, you can still hear that I have COVID by the way, I guess. Um, but what I want to say is, isn't there a danger that you overdiagnose people with dyscalculia? because it is basically the inability to do math or difficulty with math. And there are lots of people that have difficulty with math, and especially if there's not a lot of research on it, how can you be sure that you have this calculator and not just, yeah, difficulties with it? Yeah, no, that's a really good point. What they found is that doing a fMRI scan, a functional MRI scan on people's brains, they find that there's like a very visible, clearly visible, difference in the activation of the frontal lobe while like thinking about numbers but this is very expensive and not practical for diagnosis so yeah. unfortunately again it's like 
uh, lack of resources to be allocated towards it. But I think there is a real danger of people who do struggle with math, which, you know, like you guys said, is very common, but may not struggle with remembering dates or, you know, being able to read an analog clock um, or just do mental math in their head, basic stuff. They found that those with um, uh, dyscalculia, their math is roughly stops at fourth grade um, elementary school, which is, um, I mean, for someone going into higher education or just, you know, like high school, it's um, very lacking um, and could lead them to be, uh, you know, kicked out of school or be frustrated at school and just be entirely discouraged with higher education. But yeah. like you, we've always said, there is no correlation between this and general intelligence. Um, people can be incredibly talented, like I've said with celebrities, um, in playwriting or reading or writing or inventing or science itself, um, despite all this. Yeah. That yeah. must be very frustrating though if you have dyscalculia because math is a very, like I hate math, but it's very, very important in a lot of uh, jobs today. So if even like if your brain's more science oriented, it will be very hard to study a science without having like the basic math knowledge that like almost every high school student has. So I yeah. think it must be very, very frustrating. And another thing I thought of, which was um, kind of mentioned in the article I read, um, and it could have a you know really negative potential for someone's life, is an inability to manage your own finances. Um, humans already have trouble imagining really large numbers, things like lottery tickets, like how probable is you getting a lottery ticket, or gambling, or scams, or you know saving money, or just stock investment, all that stuff. But if you have a really just a really hard time dealing with these numbers, there's a higher chance that you're able to either not be able to save your money or uh, invest effectively or get a good pension, but also um, not also have difficulty understanding how unlikely winning the lottery is or how likely someone could be stealing from you or trying to do a scam on you and you're not necessarily able to uh, understand what they're doing to you because of your difficulty with these um, numbers. Well. Is it more likely that you're a gambler if you have this calculus? Um, I've not seen anything on that. Um, it's possible, of course, but again, not a very large scientific body of research on this topic. That would be an interesting math essay topic, like calculating <laughs> the probability of becoming a gambler. <laughs> given this like also be epigenetics, though. Yeah, I guess. Oh, that is quite sad. But it is very interesting. Mm. Very good. One thing that you mentioned, which I also thought was quite interesting, was a difficulty with reading a clock. Because dyslexic people, most dyslexic people, have a very hard time reading an analog clock. Um, so it's interesting that that's like a crossover for dyslexia and dyscalculia. Yeah, totally. I think just uh, it's important for like people to understand that um, there are a lot of kind of kind of you are like like a false flag. Like for instance, I'm not super fast at reading an analog clock, um, but that's because uh, my school growing up had digital clocks. So I just never really had to learn. Um, and I could always have a phone or a watch or something that yeah. just never, but I wouldn't like, be like, but if someone was like, oh yeah, people with dyslexia um, often have difficulty reading analog clocks. Like, oh, maybe I do have this. And that's why it's important <laughs> for everyone to kind of understand more about uh, these differences. Exactly. 
so you know you can kind of pinpoint it because the worst thing or a bad thing it's hard to say the worst thing would be but a bad thing would be that many people say that they have it or feel like they have it which kind of devalues those who actually do have it because people are taken less seriously like oh really everyone has everyone has this serious problem with math then it's just people that just don't want to study or whatever um, and then these people that really do have a serious learning difference that can't necessarily be overcome in the conventional school way will not be taken seriously. Um, but also, yeah, it just makes people be taken less seriously and draws away funding and kind of credibility from those who really do need it. All right, actually, I have a question for Antonia. Okay, sure. Um, because I feel like your dyslexia is a lot more prominent in English I guess Mm -hmm. um like you struggle more with English spelling yes and other stuff and also with the clock I remember I don't know if we told the story on the podcast (laughs) we can tell us again okay well in year one we had to like in that's fifth grade um we had to like draw each other different times on the clock Oh my god, it's so embarrassing. And then the next person would have to say it uh, for English class. I don't know if I mentioned that. Yeah. Uh, and Antonia was the person behind me, so I would have to draw it for her. And then because um, she knew how to read a clock, but not like, but it was more difficult for her in English. No, so no, no. I, I just didn't know how to read a clock. Oh, really? Okay, so that was a lie then. <laughs> well, I was, I was thinking about the language differences. That was the, the no, main no, no, behind my question. I just had no clue. to the podcast but basically Antonia asked me to give her a simple time because she knows how to read a clock but only in German that's what is a lie I did okay because I I was curious well generally I mean you still have more prominent dyslexia I guess in English Mm -hmm. and I was curious on how that is I this is a tiny bit off topic but no 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 worries um well I think it is because I got dyslexia training in German. So okay. what I'd do at this dyslexia training center that I went to for multiple years, it was very expensive and not very fun. <laughs> but anyway, what I did there was I'd, ha- I'd learn like all these like word families and I'd play like games where I had to like match each word to its word family. Mm-hmm. And then I had to like do like a lot of just like computer games on spelling and stuff uh, which actually sounds quite fun but it wasn't that fun to me (laughs) and the thing is I also learned how to like kind of memorize the words I need Um, so I have like a huge let's say kind of file in my brain (laughs) with like just words I memorized in German from like Mm -hmm. this dyslexia center and the thing is that's why in my essays for like um big exams I actually hardly make mistakes I probably in my essays I make around two to three mistakes in German because I have them all kind of like saved like a computer in my brain like I all memorized yeah however in English I didn't really have this training so okay. I don't really have the same file saved in my brain with these words. So I make a lot more common mistakes because I, as I said again, I don't really have them memorized. Um, so therefore, because I didn't have this training in English, because I only had in German, my <laughs> dyslexia is a lot more visible in English. 
And I think um, people in my class also can tell that. Sometimes <laughs> we do like spelling bees for fun, um, which I don't think are that fun anymore. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, you can clearly see that my English spelling is not the best. In okay, so it's just because of the training. I thought maybe it's like... I would, yeah. I do have a, a slight theory, which is that English is really all over the place in that, um, at least what I found is that German, if you know how to say a word, you can kind of guess how to spell it because it yeah. sounds like it's consistent, but English is really not consistent at all. And German isn't always consistent. I thought it had to do with like foreign language versus mother tongue. That might be it, but honestly, my French spelling is almost better than my English one at this point. Yeah, exactly, because English is your... Oh, wait. That makes, like, no sense. No, your French spelling is good and your German spelling is good. Yeah, but my English... Because those are more learned languages. And your English is more of a mother tongue. That's why it's less good. Because it's just, you would assume it's natural. So you'd never learn the spelling. Maybe? I feel like... Possibly? varies a little bit more accurate, because I always comes with, like, the silent E and that stuff. Oh my god, it's awful. And it's just, English spelling is difficult. I don't like yeah, it. no, it's just wonky. <laughs> I think my English spelling is probably almost the equivalent of, like, an ele- elementary school, ch- like, s- child. Probably worse. Probably oh Again, not because of dyslexia. <laughs> Whoa, shots fired. <laughs> what? No, I'm a. I'm. You've made quite the mistakes. Yeah, yeah. But no, I'm an elementary quite school level. Come on, I'm not. <laughs> Why is there below elementary school? No, I just think I feel like kids in school won't have your vocab or grammar or anything like that, but they will have less mistakes, like because they learn the words, like it's freshly learned. Yeah. No, my vocab is really good, obviously, because yeah. No, you're very good English, just the spelling is off. <laughs> but I actually oh. find German spelling more difficult than English spelling. Uh-huh. I don't the know why that is. Completely but... opposite for me. Okay. Like, that's the only reason why I'm, like, good. That's why I was making German. my foreign language theory. But I don't know. Actually, that doesn't make sense, because it's, like... Yeah, I know. That's well, why actually, English is also my foreign language, so... Oh, my God. <laughs> we are very bilingual. No, not bilingual. Trilingual. Multilingual, as you can see here. Exactly. Yeah. Very interesting. Um, how's spelling in Hebrew, actually? Cause I'm My Hebrew spelling Hebrew. is atrocious. <laughs> <laughs> no. Like, like, Hebrew that's... spelling seems, like, so fascinating to me. The thing is, we have, like, every sound, not every sound, but a lot of sounds have, like, three letters. Oh, my God. Like, it's so annoying. Like, eh can be so many different letters. And so, or ch, k, t. Like, all of these have a bunch of letters that are possible for that sound. And, and there are, like, super weird rules. Uh, so Hebrew spelling is quite difficult. Yeah. But the good thing is the grammar is easy, <laughs> for the most part. Okay, that makes sense. But I want to know how dyslexic people, like, deal with Hebrew. Because, like, I don't know, I think dyslexia is different in different languages, as far as I heard. Like, I mean, if you have learn- spelling problems, and yeah. you're, like, and you're learning Hebrew, yeah, you're gonna have a difficult time. Like, yeah, but I heard hard. people that, like, learn Mandarin, like, dyslexic people learning Mandarin have a lot easier time than, like, learning the uh, Roman alphabet. Oh, because That's- it's uh, symbols? 
and it's yeah, exactly. you can you can learn the strokes and you can learn they're not and they're and they're kind of related to what yeah. they're supposed to represent. Yeah, symbols are a lot easier for them than like letters, like putting together letters to make a sound. Interesting. Yeah, I thought that was very interesting. It's a little off topic, but you know, it's a dyslexia podcast. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Well, I'm <laughs> just trying to Google how people uh, suffering from dyslexia deal with Hebrew. Because that's something really interesting. I mean, there is a huge population that speaks Hebrew, so it's obviously not very researched, but. <laughs> <laughs> Um. Okay, I'll let you guys know when I find the answer. You guys can talk about something else in the meantime. No worries. Wait, Nathaniel, do you have like you don't memorize words, right? This um, like the sexier thing, I'm guessing. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> so you probably can you spell words that you've never heard of before in your life? I can guess. Yeah. You can. I'm pretty accurate most of the time. Okay, then that means you probably don't memorize words. Because the thing is, when I get a word that I've never heard of before in my life, and I have to like spell it, I probably can't spell it because I don't have it memorized. Right. So that's For me, it. I think I, I know all the... I know only... I don't know. I don't know what I don't know. But I feel like I know the majority of the components that are used to make compound words. And yeah. words that I... Um, because I, you know, I'm fluent in the language. Most of the words that I would not know would be compound words, and because I just know the parts, I just add them together, and then I can spell them and guess their meanings semi-accurately. I would say most okay. of the time. Okay, I finally yeah. found an answer. Sorry. Sorry. What's up? I finally found an answer. That took a while. Ooh, okay, tell us. Okay, so because it's more phonetically complex. Um, so what I said with all of the like slight differences having of the same sound having a bunch of letter options it is going to be more difficult for a dyslexic person to learn like hebrew or spelling uh which is not very surprising like i'm not dyslexic as we've said enough times on this podcast and i struggle a lot with the spelling so yeah yeah well i I mean it's not that bad but it's it's not amazing (laughs) let's say that (laughs) yeah no i would not enjoy that a lot it's interesting yeah. Always have word families, but it's still difficult. Sorry, I cut you off. Yeah, yeah no, it's totally fine. I was gonna go back to the Mandarin. It's interesting because mm-hmm. Mandarin also has four tones, so a character can mean four different things based on like how it's spoken. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I guess it's so interesting to see that dyslexic people, um, due to the more yeah like symbolic, de- it depicts things more often. Like it's pretty abstract. Like if you like look at how languages originate, especially ones like like pictographs. And then over time they get less like more and more simplified. But there's still something there. And if you learn those parts, because like there's certain like strokes that always mean water or whatever. Um, once you learn those parts and you're recognizing symbols rather than letters, words, I feel like it could be a lot easier. Yeah. Do you know what's interesting? A person on the Dyslexia Demystified Instagram page actually commented under one of the videos I posted. Um, that she has a lot easier time with like uh, reading and writing in Mandarin versus English. So that kind of like again backs up what you just said. Yeah, no, it's fascinating. Interesting. <laughs> I like how we kind of like pivoted away from this in a way from our topic, but we're still kind of on topic. I mean, yeah. anything is on topic if we're still talking about dyslexia or the dyslexia family. <laughs> <laughs> the fam. 
Yes, exactly. <laughs> anyway, I think we should probably wrap it up. Do you guys want to still say anything more? Uh, I feel like we had so many broad topics. It's kind of difficult to summarize today, so I'm going to not do that today. <laughs> the coward's way out. <laughs> yeah, actually. <laughs> A little disappointing, Alma. Antonia, aren't you the one who asked so you don't have to answer it? <laughs> um, no, no, I could say something in the end, you know, like okay. last word. Go for it. <laughs> Nathaniel, what's your <laughs> <one>? Whoa, the <laughs> passing of the book continues. <laughs> yeah, I would just say um, that uh, if you look at dyslexia and kind of its um, you know, sister um, conditions, differences, um, you can find obviously that they're, um, when people, someone has it, they have a lot of adversity often in that specific thing. But as we always say, it does not correlate at all with intelligence negatively. Um, and it can also lead to really impressive growth and new thinking, seeing like all these visionaries and artists and inventors and actors and writers and all that who suffered with these things, but still persevered and then found a different way to make their way in the world, whether than conventional education or social structures like that. I think it's just really encouraging. Um, and I think it's also just fascinating to look at different ways people approach language um, with these learning differences yeah mm-hmm. so said i think we don't I, really have much to add i actually thought of something that i have to add oh you do okay. <laughs> yes okay. because um i was thinking about the podcast and what i can say about it and i remembered something actually very important to point out because uh, like we all said we barely have or haven't at all heard about the learning difference we ourselves presented um and i think this really brings forward how i'm talked about these differences are and how like they're ignored and not at all helped and I think we really have to work towards recognizing these um and really trying to help everyone regardless of like what their strengths and weaknesses are and if they're different from I guess the majority of the people um and it's definitely something that we have to keep out like keep an eye out for I don't know why exactly no we should take them seriously Exactly, and give them as much recognition as it's like what I wanted to say is look out for them exactly (laughs) okay hey I think that's it for today Um, that's a wrap okay bye guys bye yay